Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, it's Mary Scott. Welcome to another episode of the Behind the Bliss podcast. We are so grateful to have you join us today. Today, I am interviewing my friend, Whitney McIntosh. Whitney shares about a season of life where she felt like she had been benched by God and what it means to live from your truest identity in Christ. I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. Let's get to it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Behind the Bliss podcast. This is Mary Scott, and I'm so excited to have my friend Whitney McIntosh on the show. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited. Whitney and I have been friends now for probably, gosh, like a ye- over a year. I don't know, year. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think about, I think about a year. I grew up with Whitney's husband, and so when she moved back to Charlotte, um, we just got connected, and I've been so thankful for her friendship. But Whitney, I'll let you do the majority of the introducing. So tell everyone who you are, where you live, all the things. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me on the podcast. This is so fun. I love that you and Rachel are doing this. I think it's amazing when you guys came together and decided, hey, we want to encourage women and do a podcast to do that. And so I just think it's awesome. So thanks for having me. You're so sweet. Um, I love it. But my name is Whitney McIntosh, and I am married to Jeff McIntosh. We, um, We did meet Mary Scott. Well, Jeff met you in high school, but I met you when we moved to Charlotte um, about a year and a half ago. He was there two years um, as a worship leader for our church in Charlotte. And so um, that's why we moved to Charlotte was for Jeff's job. But about two weeks ago, we recently moved back to Dallas, Texas, where I'm from. Um, And where yes, which is so fun. And so we're back in Texas now. Um, but I was born and raised um, in Texas and went to Baylor University in Waco, which is so we fun. We love Waco. But yes. that was pre-fixer upper days. So before Chip and Joe took over. Um, but I'm really glad they took over because it's way more <laughs> awesome than it was when I was there. I'm sure it's but so wild it, going back now. It is because they really have made it like a destination. Like, come and experience Magnolia and they've done a lot of great things for Waco. So I love it. Um, so yeah, went to, went to Baylor and graduated from there and, um, went on to do ministry full time. But I have, um, two parents, my mom and my dad are in Texas. My dad's a pastor here, um, in Dallas. And I have a little brother named Travis. He, just graduated from Baylor as well. And then my twin sister, Emily, is in Malibu, California, and she lives there with her husband, Luke. And so that's kind of my fam. You know, Um, she's feeling so left out with all of you guys being in Texas together again. We're all in Texas together again. And she literally said to me on the phone yesterday um, that she was having a little bit of FOMO. But, you know, she can't complain because she's in beautiful Malibu with the perfect weather. That's a fun place to visit for sure. But I do miss her all the time. We're super close. We talk on the phone every day, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, Well, she is your other half. So that makes total sense. She was my first other half and Jeff is my second other half. Exactly. I'm sure it was so interesting for her to like, and both of you, when you both got married, like to share the person that you shared everything with before. Gosh, that would be so hard. It was so hard. 
we went to, yeah, we went to Baylor together. And then after we graduated, she actually moved to New York City for a year. And I moved back home to to Texas or to Dallas. And um, we, at first, it was like so weird not living in the same city, but we've gotten a little bit used to it. But I really do miss her a lot. And she's, she's amazing. I'm just grateful to be on the podcast and get to share a little bit of my story today. Well, speaking of stories, you have kind of been on a little bit of a journey the last probably two years in the midst of singleness and engagement and marrying Jeff and moving to Charlotte and not having any community and all the things. So take us back a little bit and tell us what all of that was like and all the things that you learned in those seasons. Wow, so much. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Jeff and I met doing ministry in Fort Worth, Texas. Like I said, I moved back to Dallas when I graduated from Baylor, did a program um, at a church here in Dallas called Watermark. And it was the Watermark residency program. And it's basically for people who feel like they want to do ministry vocationally and um, pursue that. Um, So did that. And then I went on to work for K-Life in Fort Worth, Texas. K-Life is similar to Young Life. And it's a student ministry. So working with college uh, girls who were the leaders of middle school and high school small groups. And so was doing that, was their women's director. We had a men's director there as well. I loved my time um, just single post-grad. It was such a growing time for me. I think some people want to like skip that and go straight into marriage. Mm -hmm. I know um, the culture at Baylor where I went to school was like, the ring by spring kind of analogy. Yeah, it was is, definitely like that. Clemson. And, yeah. Yeah. And um, I just think that that for some people, that is exactly the the plan that the Lord has for them. But I'm just truly grateful. I think I grew more in my first year out of college than I did in all four years combined. <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. So I love doing that. But that's where I met Jeff was in Fort Worth working for K-Life. He is actually a year and a half younger than me. So, I was going to say, um, was he one of the TCU students was, while you were on staff? He was. Yes, I he love was. Um, I know. It's so funny. He was a TCU student, but we didn't date when he was um, like one of our leaders. He became our intern. And that's where we got to know each other better, just as friends. And then he came on staff um, for a short stint there. And that's when we realized, oh my goodness, like I really like you and um, want to be around you more. So we started dating. Um, and then he went and did a program at the Kanakuk Institute. And it is also like a Bible college discipleship program um, situation in Branson, Missouri. So we were quickly um, long distance. And so really during that time, I'll tell you about this. I went, read a book called The Truest Thing About You. And I love um, that title. (laughs) I know it's by Dave Lomas. Um, He is a pastor in in San Francisco. It's really about identity is the main topic of the book. And I read this book and it it really altered kind of my understanding of identity. So I went through kind of what ended up being like a year and a half to two years, just journey of unpacking that in my own life. And um, the premise of the book is, hey, there are things that are true about you. And he breaks it down to say, hey, some people identify themselves by what they do what they have or what they desire. And so what you do could be like your job, um, your, you know, you're a mom or you do, 
I don't know, you do podcasts, you do ministry, you're, you know, exactly. Yeah. And then what you have can be possessions, Mm -hmm. uh, material possessions, or I have this type of family background, or I have this type of addiction history, or I have like just what you have as a part of your story, right? or I have this car or this house or, you know, whatever. And then what you desire is what you hope to be true about you someday. Um, or even like desires of your flesh, like what you crave. He breaks it down and says, Hey, these things are, can be true about you. It might be true, Mary Scott, that you are married to Daniel or you, um, you know, work for Proverbs 31 or Whitney, you are in ministry and you're married to Jeff. Like these things are true about you. You could like kale and hate, you know, eggs. I don't know, but these things are true. Yes. But the truest thing about you has to be something that isn't subject to change. And that's what we're placing our like true identity. Yes. And so he boils it down to saying, Hey, the truest thing about you is you are a beloved child of God. That's who you are. That's never going to change. And that that is where you can live out of out of that identity. And it's not based on us, you know? Exactly. It's something outside of us. I was just blown away um, by this book and and really got to to point others to that truth and yeah, so there's a verse that I love in Second Corinthians. Um, it's Second Corinthians five twenty one, and it says, "God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." And so when I when I um, read the book, The Truth Thing About You, and started understanding more about what it means to live in Christ. It, it just changed everything. You know, growing up in church, um, which you grew up in church, right, Mary Scott? Yes, yes. I feel like identity is a buzzword that's thrown thrown around a lot. Like Very Christianese. Yes. Yes. Christianese. And I think growing up in youth group, and I accepted Christ when I was a little girl, like eight years old. And um, right. the Lord really took me on a journey of really... I had significant moments in my life that continue to affirm, you know, in middle school, it's like, oh, I'm at camp and they're talking about following Christ every day. And I accepted Christ when I was eight, but this is something totally different. Like, what does this mean for me? Yes. Like, what does this mean? And um, for identity in Christ, especially for girls, I feel like it was like, you need to find your identity and not what you look like or what you, you know, what you do, but in who you are in Christ. And it just became so taboo almost and right. didn't know yes. how that played out in my life. And, but that verse, it talks about being in living in him. A lot of people get the first half of that verse, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Okay. That's the gospel. That's Jesus was perfect. Mm-hmm. He, he became our substitute on the cross so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Between like kids I've talked to about this in student ministry or people my own age, like what is the righteousness of God? Right. And a lot of times people are like, uh, <laughs> you know, like Perfect. that's one of those, like, yeah, we say at Proverbs and we like are writing content. Oh gosh, we're hovering at 30,000 feet because people don't know what sanctification means or yeah. like all these things. And the righteousness of God is like one of those. Okay. But what does that actually mean? Well, and that verse says it's what you've become. 
you know, it's what we've become right. and we don't even know what it means. And so this, this idea of living in Christ and finding your identity in him changes everything because you can stand totally forgiven, totally accepted, fully loved um, by God, the father, because of, because of the blood of Christ covering you because of his righteousness. And you can stand before the father and say, I, I am in you and I can right. live from a place of love and acceptance and not for it anymore. You're living from a place of love and approval rather than like striving, taking matters into your own hands so that you can earn this place that was never yours yes. to earn from the beginning, you know? Yes. Um, and so it basically, you just went on this journey of, of almost like debunking idols or lies in your heart of like, it's, it's up to me to measure up yeah. or it's up to me to be the Whitney I need to be to do this, this, and this. And so, exactly. gosh, it's such a powerful word um, and teaching something that I think all of us, when we, when we flip the switch of realizing that it's not up to us and we actually make terrible gods and we serve a God who really is good at being God. Yes. And when we surrender that to him, we, yeah, like you said, we, we become over time, the righteousness of Christ mm. and we're stepping into our God-centered identity. That is so good. That's so good. So yeah, so I so that was all kind of like when I was single and um and, and even into dating dating Jeff and and realizing for myself like oh, you know, I have this wonderful man in my life now, but uh, I still need to I need still need to cling to my identity in Christ, but little did I know how much that would play out over the next like couple years um newly married and moving cuz you know as well as I do how hard it is sometimes to move to a new place, you know, totally done it. You're literally stripped from those identities. Like the trap we fall into is saying, okay, well, like you were saying what they do, what they have and what they desire. Like if we were placing our quote unquote identity in, well, I'm from Charlotte and I married to Daniel and I went to this college and these are my friends. And then you have all of those things stripped, like you said, taken away. Like what are you left to stand on? Exactly. And that's really where the Lord took me when he moved me to Charlotte. And I don't want to say it was like this horrific Job experience because it wasn't like I wasn't stripped of everything and it wasn't even necessarily like I mean, it was hard, but it, it wasn't just horrible. Um, but it it definitely right. revealed a lot about my heart and about what I put my my worth in. And um, I ha- I was under the assumption that I was gonna move to Charlotte because I got married. I mean, that wasn't an assumption that was happening, but assuming that right. I would get a job in ministry and um and really just dive in at our church and say, Oh, that's fine. Like I've, I've done this in, in Texas, like, look at my resume, like, look at what I've done. And that just wasn't the case. Like when I moved, God just took me on what ended up being actually, um, about a year long waiting process for a job. And I worked part-time jobs in, in retail and God bless everyone who works in retail. It is it is Seriously. not for the faint of heart. So, um, but I I did some part time things here and there, and um, but really my my ministry opportunities were more limited because I just didn't have network and didn't have connections and really didn't know many people. I remember when I when we first moved to Charlotte, and I remember um, being kind of distracted the first couple months we were there, and I was setting up our new place and you know, trying to find my way around the streets, you know, <laughs> whatever um, right, street names right. and driving around. But I remember sitting down one night with Jeff and being like, I need friends. 
<laughs> and well, speaking of that, I mean, and I don't want to, I don't want to get off a tangent and I want to finish the story, but like, there's so many questions I have, but I think, you know, one of them is a, what do you do in a season that you feel like God has forgotten of you? And then two, like, how do you even go about finding friends? You know, yes. like, how do you even build that community? And so I would love to continue to hear about like what that looked like for you guys as you continue to process that journey. But there's so many seasons of life where we just feel like, God, you prepared me for this. Like I remember feeling the exact same way when I left Charlotte and I left at the time without a job at Proverbs and I moved to a Holiday Inn Express in Oklahoma. And I was like, but wait, I thought that all of that that you just took me on and everything you just showed me and all the people you allowed me to meet was so that I would, you know, be able to have this job. And here I am like scrubbing dishes all day and not seeing my husband <laughs> and living in a hotel room. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't get it, you know? And I know that had like, that had to be where you were in that season of being like, wait, you know, I did this thing at Watermark and I'm learning all these lessons and you took me on the journey and here I am. And what was it all for? You know? Yes. A hundred percent. That's exactly that's exactly what it felt like. And it, it honestly, it felt really lonely at first, which is also funny because you just got married to the love of your life. And right. so ha- we, we were long distance our whole dating and engagement. So finally we live in the same place and we are together all the time, but still God created us for community. And and that can be a whole episode in and of oh, itself. Like, oh, oh we wait yes. our whole life for this thing called marriage. And then we're like, wait. <laughs> and it wasn't like it was a letdown because being married to Jeff is, and, and I'm sure you would say the same about Daniel is like the greatest thing yes. and it totally was orchestrated by God. But at the end of the day, I felt pretty lonely and just really sure. wondering, Lord, yeah, why did you bring me here? And why isn't this playing out the way I thought I'm such a, I suffer so much from unmet expectations in my life. And don't we all, I just need to you some days just release control, but I, I really did. And I'll tell you a story real quick about, about that, because what I really felt like Mary Scott was that God had benched me, meaning he had sat me out of the game and he had sat me on the bench and said, you know what, you're, I'm going to pull you out for a season and you're just going to watch. And that as a, and you're like, but wait, but I practiced, you know, (laughs) I totally felt that way. And so I really felt like, okay, for this season, like God, where, where do you want me? And and where do you want me to to invest? And I was sharing this recently with um, a friend of mine who I work with now, which we can talk about in a little bit of what I do now, um, because it's a great story. But I was talking to him yes. and it was kind of like a pseudo interview, like they were getting to know me and um, I was learning more about the, the ministry I now work for. And um, I told them I was really vulnerable for an interview and was like telling them I had felt like God had really just sat me out for about a year and um, didn't know why and was struggling with that. And um, he told me a story about his, he has two daughters um, and he was driving one of them to meet up with his wife and the, and the other daughter. And she, she's the youngest. And so she was in her car seat in the back and he's driving and he doesn't get a lot of time with just the one, a one daughter without the other one around. So he was just enjoying being with just her and spending time with her. And so he took the long route to the restaurant where they were meeting and was just chatting with her. And as they approached the restaurant, his daughter said, are we almost there, daddy? And he said, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost to, to mom and your sister. And she said, oh, I wish we had longer. That's so sweet. 
And he basically, t- I'm like getting choked up talking about it because um, I have chills. I he, know he oh. told me that day he was like, I don't know if God benched you. Um, I think. I think God may be taking the long way because he wanted to spend time with you and he wanted to invest in you and um, prepare you for what was next. And man, oh, I just, it, I have chills. It, it, <laughs> it just pierced my, pierced my heart and opened my eyes to see. I think I had a miss. I definitely had a misunderstanding of God in that moment to say he would in his, you know, just disappointment with me. Oh, Whitney, you you did something wrong. Let me pull you out of the game. But no, he was he was pulling me wow. aside to to whisper to me, "Hey, I'm I want to spend time with you. I want to pour more into you so that you can be prepared for the next season." And gosh, I I just for anyone who's listening to this podcast and you're in a season of waiting and in a season of um, just unsure of where your gifts are meant to be used. And maybe you feel like, I don't know if I have gifts gifts to be used, or I know I have gifts and they're not being utilized right now. The Lord right. sees you and he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. I mean, that's our first priority anyways, is to just to abide in him and, and live be with him. in, yeah, in that identity. So uh, anyway, Whitney, thank you so much. That is going to bless. I mean, if that was not just for me alone, it's honestly funny, not funny, but you know what I mean? When, when I'm hearing you talk about this, because I was reading something for work and trying to write some content for work and the idea and the question of like, what if the whole point of a waiting season is simply to be with God? Mm. What if it's simply for him, instead of, like you said, feeling punished, yeah. it's actually the favor of God allowing you to have that time with him. And it's so interesting. And I think you would say this about Charlotte now that you're in Dallas, but the moment we got to Savannah, I was like, oh my gosh, like I, all I had was Jesus. Like mm. that's all I had. And I think we, we say all the time, like, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think we look back at the hard seasons and then we're in seasons of plenty or seasons of fruit. And we realize that we don't have that intimacy with him like we had before. And yeah, I don't know, like that's such a powerful thing to us for us to remember in the seasons that we do not understand God's purposes. Yeah. Um, and in our waiting and in our hearts. That's season. so true. That's so good. So that really led me to to seek out community in my waiting season because I was like, I need help. (laughs) I need some support. Well, give us, like, I'm sure there's someone listening who is in a season of, you know, graduating from college and moving into adulthood or moving to a new place and all of that. Like, what did you feel like was super practical for you in finding friends and in building community um, and some encouragement just for the listener who might be experiencing that as well? So I, I, part of it was sometimes just getting outside of your comfort zone and reaching out to strangers. Like I reached out to you and now we, here we are chatting and been friends for a while, like reached out (laughs) to you in an email and was like, hi, I'm Whitney, you know, and just, um, so some of it too is, yeah, just getting outside of your comfort zone. But, um, I found that one thing that was awesome um, for me is I knew one girl, you were in Savannah, so I knew you, but I knew one other girl I had met at church. <laughs> I knew one girl. Basically, what we did was we um, got together and I met a lot of girls through 
if local in Charlotte. And so I love if gathering and, um, I was going to say, before we go any further, explain what if gathering yeah, so, is for those who yes. don't know. If you're living under a rock and you don't know. <laughs> no, a lot of people don't, don't know about it and they need to because um, it's where I found all my friends in Charlotte. No, but um, if gathering is um, a conference. Well, it's an organization founded by um, Jenny Allen, who is an, an amazing author and speaker. And um, she is here in Dallas, actually. And so If Gathering is a once, a once a year conference for women. It's in February, usually. And so from If Gathering, it's almost like If Gathering is an umbrella and underneath the umbrella is If Table, which I'll talk about in a minute, If Equip, mm-hmm. and If Local. And so the local gatherings are once a year when the conference is in February, but it's on a local level. So people can stream the conference to their city and host it in their living room with like five friends or larger groups of, I know, you know, there's some groups that do hundreds of women gather to watch the conference and stream it from, from Dallas. So I I met a lot of girls right when I moved to Charlotte. Um, Someone was asking Jeff about music equipment or worship bleeding stuff um to use for the if gathering and he I remember he said Whitney um some some people randomly emailed me about using some equipment from the church like for their if gathering and I was like what <laughs> I was like where That's are they amazing. like where are these people you know I need to find them and for and just for the listener like you obviously are even more connected to if just being from Texas yes. um so you already knew it you knew what yeah if I was. knew what if gathering was I had done it in in Texas and so I was really pumped to to find out they were doing an if an if local in Charlotte so met some friends through that and then um uh, my friend Kelly and I in Charlotte we hosted an if table so if table is a once a month gathering for you, it's really, it's really kind of an informal dinner party of sorts. And so you can invite the thing I love yeah. about if um, gathering and if in general is the thing I love about it is they are discipleship in its purest, rawest form. So they are all about equipping women to equip other women, discipling I mean, it's like the domino effect. It's like discipling women. I was going to say disciple to disciple. Yeah, yeah, to disciple. And so um, 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men and women who are able to teach others also. And that's essentially what IF does. They equip women to teach other women. And um, so w- we hosted an IF table and I laugh because it. I think they say, Hey, invite four women or four to six women over and go through, um, some questions. And we had 30 women at our first table. I love it. Um, that's amazing. And it didn't have to be perfect. No, it didn't yeah. have to be perfect. And so the questions you can download the questions for if table on their website, and they're just really, um, thought provoking questions. And it can be, um, as simple as, you know, what's the Lord teaching you right now to who do you think Jesus is to you? Or um, what are you learning in this season? And I, I just love it because you can be on any, you can invite people who are just curious about faith and are maybe new in their faith journey, um, or people who have are really seasoned and have walked with walked with the Lord for a long time. It was just such a blessing. And um, so that's how I actually made a lot of friends. And so I guess for like you were saying, like, what are some practical things besides getting out of your comfort zone and reaching out to people? I would just say you have to be intentional. Like you just have to, Right. yeah, you have to be intentional and it's not, 
um, just going to happen just overnight. Um, you have to keep working at it just like any relationship. Right. And so. the questions they provide are, are deep enough and vulnerable enough to know, like, that's where like the, the real friendship will come is when we, you know, show our deeper, the deeper parts of who we are. And that's what a real friendship is based on. And so I think that they're doing that, um, in such a great way. So there's a little plug for if gathering, we love if gathering, big fan, Whitney, it's really amazing that in the season of your being in Charlotte and not necessarily finding the job you always thought you might have, you ended up finding ultimately the job that would work out perfectly for where God was going to be taking you next. So tell us a little bit about Pure Hope and how yes. it all got connected. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, it, it's really, it really is amazing. So I um, got connected with um, the president of the organization I work for um, now called Pure Hope. So met the president and he lives in Charlotte, but what happened was they actually have offices in Dallas. So I was able to keep my job. Isn't it just like God oh, to do that? It was yep. just <laughs> such his provision and his protection over me in that whole season of waiting. Like it's always like seems to be like that. Like you don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. So he was totally setting me up for um, this role. So I'm the communications coordinator for Pure Hope. So I oversee all their communications, social media, um, and and we're a small team. But so essentially at Pure Hope, we are an organization um, that seeks to see a world free of sexual exploitation and brokenness. And we do that in a lot of different ways, but primarily we're a parenting ministry that we have a curriculum called Quest. And so we want to equip parents and leaders and other influencers to just lead and love well in this sexualized culture that we live in. I mean, our culture is so over-sexualized. It is um, everywhere from commercials to billboards to our phones. Just the devastating statistics of pornography addiction and, and use and how young um, kids are, can be exposed to it is so sad, but at Pure Hope, we just want to push the hope of Christ and the hope of the gospel to the center stage and say, hey, like, yes, it's it's scary, mom and dad. Um, it's scary, grandparents, too, to parent in such a tech-heavy and sexualized culture. But through Christ, we talk a lot about it, Pure Hope. Hey, purity is not an accomplishment. Um, again, growing up in church, especially in like, I feel like the nineties were like this big push of true love waits and passion for purity and modest is hottest and all these like Christianese really well-intentioned Christian things, um, talked about in church, but suddenly purity became an accomplishment or something to achieve, like remain a virgin until your wedding night. And of course we want that. And, and that is, that's was God's design was husband and sex to be with a husband and wife. But we talk at, at Pure Hope, Hey, purity is not an accomplishment. It's a relationship with the pure one, with the one who makes us pure Christ. It's so good. I love it. I love what I do and, and what I get. And, and the fact that I got to move to Dallas and, and keep my job is just absurd and all all gone. It was such a hidden protection. The Lord knew that Jeff would start to feel the, the need or call to go to seminary and that you all would pick up and leave. And it was just, it was something that we can't see. And I think I try and remind myself of that and remind others too when I can that like, we don't, we can't see mm. what God is doing behind the scenes. Exactly. Um, and so I'm just, I love 
being able to be your friend and see how all of that came together. Like it's so exciting. And I'm so excited for both of you um, just to be back in Dallas and be with your family. So anyway, totally switching gears on you, Whitney, but I want to know some things. What books are you reading right now? Oh goodness. You know, I, what books am I reading right now? That doesn't mean you have to be reading a book. You can tell me what podcast you're listening to. I am reading the Bible. I do. (laughs) I do read that book. Thank you, Jesus. In the middle of um, John, right now. Oh, so good. That's so funny. I'm reading John right now. Are That's you? Amazing. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, the thing also that I love about John is um, he always refers to himself as the one Jesus loves. And so it's full circle back on identity. It's just been reminding me so much of like, what if I always referred to myself as I'm the one Jesus loves. Like I'm that's God's beloved. That's so true. Um, wow. So that's been really fun. Wow. This is really silly, but my lake pajamas. <laughs> okay. I have heard, well, first of all, I was in a wedding a few weeks ago and the bride had them on and I see them they all over social media. They are so comfy and kind of an investment, but I asked for them for my birthday and Jeff was like, why are you asking for pajamas for your birthday? But they are so fun. My sister and I have the same pair and she's the one that introduced me to my lake pajamas, but yeah, they are so comfy and I love them. Are they like pants or shorts or what's so they're like, long, they're are like, there lots of options? Yeah, they're actually, they just came out with a summer pajama set, but I got the long pants. They're kind of cropped pants. Oh. And then I have a short sleeve top and they're matching and it's so silly, but I'm loving my lake pajamas. Okay. Well, I need to check those out. And you know what else I'm loving? Please I, tell me. This is also, I'm, this is also silly, but I love rollerblading. Jeff and I have been rollerblading. I see this on sometimes on your stories. So like, how does one even go about buy rollerblades. Oh, you That's stupid for me to, to ask. No, but. it's it, you go to Dick's Sporting Goods and you pick out new rollerblades and Jeff already had some when we got married. And then I was always jealous because I was like, I want to go rollerblading with you. So we went and got me some and it's so fun. We do it on the Katy Trail here in, um, in Dallas and we did it on the Greenway in Charlotte. So it's just so fun. I was going to say, I knew that you did. I'm so glad you're finding a new place to do it in Dallas. Yeah. Um. Well, speaking of Dallas, tell me what are some amazing things that you have been reacquainted with and then things that you would recommend for people to do if they were to ever come to Dallas? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, we are just so happy to be back in the land of Tex-Mex. So. <laughs> you Texans and your Tex-Mex. I it's know. something that I'll never understand I know. You until just I probably come. try so it. We are loving Torchy's Tacos. Uh, we've been there like twice in the past week and it is so good. We love our tacos um, and our Tex-Mex and our free salsa. I don't understand when anyone like says yeah, you have I think to that's pay a complete for salsa. Rip-off. It is. It's a complete ripoff. Uh, also, the, I was able to go back to one of my favorite spots in Dallas recently, and I would suggest going here if you visit is Clybourne Park in in Dallas. It is a park that is literally like in the middle of downtown Dallas, and it sits um, above the freeway. There's green space and food trucks and pe- like people have concerts out there and there's like a playground for kids. So um, yeah, that is just such a fun spot and just it kind of hidden. Um, but yeah, Clyde Warren Park. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to have to put a little bit of a Dallas guide for everyone in our show notes. And remember that you guys can find anything that we talked about in today's episode there. But Whitney, I just am so thankful that you spent all this extra time <laughs> with <laughs> us on the podcast. Um, and we are just so grateful for your wisdom. And I know that all of the encouragement that you gave us about identity and seasons of waiting will be 
such an encouragement and a reminder to those who might be walking through a season of waiting in identity crisis themselves. So thank you so much. And I'm just so grateful. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I left that conversation feeling so encouraged about seasons of my life where I felt like I couldn't quite understand what God was doing. It's really true when they say hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess, and we really do see what God was planning and growing in us when we come out on the other side of difficult seasons in our life. Y'all, Rachel and I have been so stinking blessed by your comments about the podcast. You have no idea how excited and downright shocked we are about how much the podcast means to you. And we're so thankful that you're sharing it with us. Speaking of leaving comments about the podcast, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It takes about five minutes and it really allows for other people who may have never heard about our show, hear about it, and also be encouraged by the content and the ladies that we have on the show. If you want to find more information that we talked about on the show, head over to our website at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and you will be able to find Whitney's show notes and any other things that we talked about in today's episode. Thanks so much again for joining us today and we'll see you next week.